This is Christian Serrano of SBN News, and you're listening to Gaming and BS. Welcome to Gaming and BS, episode 81, where we're talking PvP. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. Good to have you all here. Yeah. Welcome back. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we won't have another uh, damn near two-hour episode. <laughs> After episode 80 with the boys from uh, the Savage Bloggers Network. It was worth it, though. We got, it, we got in pretty deep. It was worth it. They say podcasting do as long a podcast as it needs to be. And that yeah. thing probably needed to be like three hours. Oh, and seriously, I mean, when we got done, we, we hung up the phone basically on, on the recording and both Christian and Ron were like, we didn't get into this, 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 or this. We could do a whole nother part too. So <laughs> we, could, we could go even deeper if we wanted to. But it was great. It was awesome. It was very so good. Happy. Those guys were gracious, um, good chemistry, had some people compliment us on the show. Um, Visionary comms has blogged about us, liked how you asked a lot of questions, Brett. Saw that oh, out there. Nice. Yep. Um, and they also mentioned us on their show, uh, the Savage Bloggers Network, which is funny because I thought somebody mentioned miniatures gaming. Who did I listen to about miniatures? Was it you and I talking about miniatures? I don't it know. It might have been. I don't know. Uh, anyways. Should we so, get... I don't know. Announcements. Announcements, yeah. So Game Hole Game Registration, we've talked about this before. It's rapidly approaching. April Fool's Day, April 1st, is when it opens up. Um, Sean, what are you going to run? You're going to run stuff. At least two. What are you going to run? I am going to run uh, Age of Rebellion from Fantasy Flight Games, Star Wars role-playing game. The title, as working title, Force 5 from Alderaan. Very nice. Yeah. It's gonna and? be gonna be a commando style. Oh, okay. It's hey, a okay. this isn't this isn't gonna be Star Wars movie, right? This isn't gonna be PG. This is kind of like maybe borderline Inglorious Bastards Age oh, of okay. Rebellion. This isn't your mom and dad's Age of Rebellion Star Wars game. Inglorious Bastards, but with Wookiees, Jawas, and Duros. Okay. Yeah, maybe something like that. Nice. Crack okay. crack team crack of team. the rebellion wreaking havoc on the Empire. Nice. Second game, not sure. Still in the okay. making. Might be Savage Worlds. Hmm. Well, you've you did Savage Worlds last year there, and it went up really well. So I did do Savage Worlds last year, and I also did Savage Worlds. I did Savage Ghost. I did it Savage Worlds twice at Game Holcom. That's right. You did Ghostbusters and your Weird Wars thing. I did. Well, yes, that's correct. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Ghostbusters the year before. So this is Game Hole 2, I did Ghostbusters. Right. And Game Hole 3, I did Savage Worlds Weird Wars 2. I think this year, though, on the Savage Bloggers Network, speaking of Christian and Ron, they mentioned how somebody put together a pay-what-you-want one-shot. It's literally, they designed it to be done at a con. And it's a, I want to say it's a mobster one. Hmm. Where you, it's Vegas, 1968. 
I think Ron brought that up to us. He might have. And I'm like, that could be a win. That could be very cool. Yeah. You? Uh, what are you doing, Brad? Have you decided? I have. I've got one thing I'm definitely going to do. I'm going to run a D&D 5e game in my Avalon world. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to also... <clears throat> there's going to be at least one other game, obviously. Uh, Sean and I said we're each going to do two. I want to do... It'll either be Middle-Earth role-playing the old Merp system by uh, Iron Crown or Warhammer uh, RPG First Edition. I may also run a third one. I'm not sure yet. Either a Trail of Cthulhu or Lamentations of the Flame Princess. So we shall see. I've got until the first <laughs> to get my well, collective crap together and put something out or shortly afterwards. Yeah. But I want to get it done. They leave event registration open until something like, I want to say August. I mean, it's. Yeah, it's open for quite a while. I just want to, it's one of those things where if I don't set myself a, uh, a deadline, I'll be like, oh crap, it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's August. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. And I'm on the edge. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. Like I want to prep my shit now because it'll be October 30th and Sean will be like, "Oh, I should probably get some maps together and maybe some miniatures." Oh my god, where are the minis? Can you paint these? Should we do this? What the hell oh, do we do? God. Go Brett, go shoot some guns. Give me some bullets. <laughs> Something like that. Oh god, yeah. Um so if people want to run, we talked about this I think last time and I just want to throw it out there one more time. We'll probably remind folks again. If you want to run under the Gaming and BS banner, Sean, uh if folks want to do that, how would they do that? You can first of all contact us and let us know that you're interested. You can either do that on Facebook through our Facebook page, our Google Plus account, email, email, email. Did I say email twice? You email. did say email twice. 3 times. Holy cow. Um, phone, the old big dice. If you want big, to call right, us up. 929, I believe big dice and let us know. Uh, the only reason we really want to know is just so we know that you're going, you're interested and you're wanting to do that. Otherwise you can just submit your event. And when you submit it, put in the title gaming NBS presents, and then the title of your event, and they yep. will know that you're tied to us and they'll, they'll put you at the right table and all that stuff, whatever that means. And we we want to know because we want to thank you. Absolutely. We want to know you're going to be there. If we want to incentivize and get you, you know, something, we want to know who that is. Absolutely. Yeah. No, so, cool. Yeah. We, should we do random encounter? We should do random encounter. Let's roll. Random encounter. Segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media, from you. First one. Want me to read it? Yeah, it's yours. This is from Jib. Now, I know Jib indirectly. I don't think I've spoken to Jib directly. Jib has been on the Savage Cast uh, bloggers um, live hangouts, GM okay. hangouts. Um, he has also been a frequent co-host on the Happy Jacks RPG podcast. Cool. So. Jib has written to us via email. So about opposed die rolls. I tried to agree with you guys about opposed rolls in combat. What? You said tried to agree. He tends to. Oh my. I tried to agree. Now that throws (laughs) the whole. Because your master. Throws the whole context of the email. Totally does. I tend. Thank you, Brett. I tend to agree with you guys about opposed rolls in combat. That just ends up being a tabletop circle jerk. Opposed roles in non-combat situations can be handy when, for example, you have two characters contesting over the same thing. 
The one place where there really is no substitute for an opposed role is when it's two player characters, when it's two player characters, because both player characters are trying to do a thing and they should both have the opportunity to roll dice to do their thing. So we talked a little bit about that in, in what happens, Brett, if I want to do this and the other person wants to do that, it's affecting the same thing. Yeah, we both want to grab the amulet. We both want to, we're arm wrestling. We both want to be the first person to do something or whatever. Well, I want to shoot. I want to shoot the person that we're interrogating. Yeah, and I want to stop you. Maybe something like that. From a system standpoint, Savage Worlds handles it well by attacker setting the difficulty of the role. Bennies and exploding dice make all things possible. Thus, it is important to narrate the attempt, but not the result until all the dice have settled and the dust is cleared as it were. In games powered by the apocalypse, games based on the apocalypse world engine, there is no opposed role for player versus GM actions. The GM never rolls dice, so it's entirely a matter of the results based on the player's dice roll. Anyway, that's my two crumplenicks worth on the subject of opposed roles. Well, I'm good. I'm, first of all, I'm glad he is putting in his two uh, crumple, crumplenicks because well, yeah. I'm totally out. Which is good. We, we always use more crumplenicks. We always could. Keep up the good work. I'm very much enjoying your show. It's become a staple of my commute listening. Cheers, Jib. Happy Jacks RPG podcast. Well, thank you, Jib. Which is saying a lot because Jib, I mean, those happy jackers, man, those guys have been around for a long freaking time. Yes, they are. They have a damn good show. So, yeah, Stu and the gang over there, if you haven't listened to them, give them a chance. (laughs) Thanks, Jib, so much for uh, listening to us. Thanks for writing in. And, yeah, I I don't disagree with Jib whatsoever. No, I don't either. I think we're going to, when we get into the topic later today, we'll see if it expands the whole, uh, cause I'm kind of taking the, uh, mm. the opposed role or that kind of concept out maybe to the ultimate conclusion of that or anyway, once we get there, we'll see if that changes anything. So the next one is from fateful Mike. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Damn email from fateful Mike. Hello gents. I actually use most of your suggestions already, but can't wait to try the rest. A lot of people say to be emotionless as a GM when it comes to enforcing rules, but it's hard when they are close friends and family you're gaming with. I've taken a stance at times, uh, and at times, excuse me, come off as an asshole, but in the end it works for what needs to be enforced. Thank you for taking the time to dedicate a show to the subject, guys. On a lighter note, with WrestleMania around the corner, I felt a need to uh, go into my RPG library and start a campaign based off of wrestling. Worldwide Wrestling by Nathan D. Paletta using the power by apocalypse system. Have you guys heard of it? Good things, bad things. Are you, uh, are you, or were you ever wrestling fans? Thanks again, guys. Faithful Mike. So Sean, I have heard, I have heard of worldwide wrestling. I have heard of it as well. Yeah. I don't know much about it other than that. I mean, (laughs) I know next to nothing about it other than guys who like wrestling and like the apocalypse engine. Love it. Which, duh. I mean, that's, that's like saying people that like D and D and rolling D twenties tend to like dungeons and dragons. Um, I, I think by all counts of people I know who have played it or who have talked about it, they really like it. Yeah. Sean, were you ever a wrestling guy? I was not. My buddy always wanted me to wrestle cause I could fill the one twenty six slot when I was in high school. One twenty like pro wrestling though. Were you ever pro, a pro no, wrestling guy? No, 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 no. I, I mean, I know Roddy Rowdy Piper. I know Hulk. I know the iron cheek. I know. I know all those guys, Ric Flair. I mean, I know all the names. Savage, all those guys. Yeah, but I never, 
tuned into it. Now I was stationed with a guy in the military. Um, Oh God was his name. Casey. No, Casey was his first name. This is his last name. Uh, and, and man, but huge wrestling fan. Yeah. Huge. When I was a kid, like grade school, junior high, I was big on it. I remember in my small hometown, we had uh, a cage match. We had a little piece in it when we were still growing up. Jimmy Superfly Snooka cage match. Watch <laughs> that dude leap off the top of the cage, blood everywhere. It was freaking, we were eating it up. We were just, you know, just a, a young kid at the time. But uh, Andre the Giant, all that stuff back at that at that time, I was uh, I was into it then. I've gotten away from it. Um, it's not my thing now, but uh, my wife used to my wife used to be into it. I think she got out of that fandom shortly before we met. Your wife was a wrestler? No, she was not a wrestler. No, that'd be <laughs> God. She was part kicked. of she was part of Glow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, she but, was a pro wrestling fan for a while, but it's not anything I'm into right now. I was I used to be, so I, I definitely get. I definitely get it. I mean, yeah, there is a good, I mean, for Faithful Mike and anybody who are, who's a big wrestling fan, I think it was um, Radio Lab, which is an NPR podcast, did an episode on wrestling. And I think it was on, I can't remember who the superstar was, but it was a falling out between him and the WWF and how he moved to the WWE Okay, and they explain a lot of like the roles that are involved in wrestling, like you know they have titles for like the different roles yeah, that are you involved. Heel, the heel yes. turn. You got this. You got yeah. yeah, yeah. You know who would be a good guy to talk to this about? If any of a buddy, uh, Joe Swick. Joe Swick. Joe Swick, fan of the show, friend of the show. Joe runs a podcast. Yes. on pro wrestling. What the hell's the name of that? I'm oh, totally losing my mind. I I don't remember. We'll God. put a we'll put a link in the show notes for. Gonna have to Joe's show. Um, but yes, but anyways, yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're on gaming and BS and you want to talk to a fellow wrestler, uh, look up, find Joe Swick on Google plus go to our community, find a, find a brother and he'll talk wrestling with you. Yeah. By all means. Um, thanks for writing in faithful Mike. Absolutely. G plus post from Roger Brasslett clarifying on opposed roles. Cause he's, he kind of kicked it off. And then we were talking about the topic and then we were like, hey, what do you do when there's the reaction action or action reaction kind of thing? So I proposed it to Roger on the air um, and he returns the favor. So this is choppy because it's in response to specific points in the last episode. So this was a couple ago. Sean asked about reflex actions. What if someone uses a reflex action to stop your action? Answer from Roger, do it before I roll. You shouldn't even be allowed to use a reflex action after you see the result of the roll. That's kind of cheating. Totally get it. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that route. Right. No, I get it. I got something to say. I'll wait to the end here. Right. In this scenario where I let him stop me, what's the issue? I don't need to roll because I'm letting someone else stop me. The guy stopping me doesn't need to roll because I'm letting him stop me. Everyone is happy. Well, what if I don't want to? If you want to knife someone who's talking and you're sick of them talking, maybe use the surprise round. Do you surprise the speaker with your action? Probably, if he wasn't expecting such a harsh reaction. Probably not, if it takes you a while to haul out your dagger before you can stab at him, or if he was already wary of an attack. All right. I will indeed get perturbed if I roll and succeed on something, and then the GM takes it away from me. 
take my opportunity away before I roll if you're going to be that jerk. Oh. Whoa. Spunky Roger. Um, Supers opposed Roll's reaction. Having the reacting PC state which power they are using, roll to see if it works, and add the defense to the target for the attacking villain. If the villain misses, it was due to the reacting power. If they hit, they hit around the reacting power. One non-opposed roll. Let's discuss and clarify if necessary. <clears throat> so one of the things I said in the Google Plus chain there, it gets to when he said kind of cheating. There is a thing that pisses me off to no end at a gaming table. And that is when someone says, I'm going to do X, click, and they quickly grab a D20 and toss it. I got a 19. Did I do it? As if somehow being the first person to roll a die and call out a number gets you some sort of crazy, I own the table power or some, it's basically a dick move in my opinion. Well, I did it. I rolled. Let me look at that. I got a 19 plus my bonuses. I mean, obviously, clearly, blah, blah, blah. You need to, (laughs) if you're going to do something, and we're going to get into this a little bit in the topic, but if you're going to do something that's going to cause other players to react to you or against you or with you or whatever, you have to have the opportunity to set up the narrative so the game master understands what's going on, the players understand what's going on, then everybody wants to do something, whether that means like, okay, let's make sure we all roll initiative to make sure that we do things appropriately. You get a bonus because you surprised everybody or whatever the case is. Um, I do, I really get pissed off when people do the, I do X, clackety, clack, clack, oh, I got a 15. Again, like they're trying to use that die roll to somehow muscle their way into their thing counts before anybody else's because they were fastest to chuck a die. I hate that. And that's a good way to get shanked by Brett. Yeah. I'll fucking stomp you. Okay. No, <laughs> there you go. That. Don't do it. It's not worth it. On the supers uh, opposed roles reaction, the thing that he's talking about there, and I think um, Roger and I, I, I believe, are both on the same page here. I would rather, instead of it being an opposed role, because we're kind of in the, like I said in that episode, I'm more of the put the power in the player's hand. I'd rather have it be that I help, I change the difficulty level by doing a thing and then you still make the role. Like, hey, I engage my power, and my power gives me a plus whatever. Therefore, you're at a, at that penalty uh, to accomplish your role. Right. That's what he's getting at, and gotcha. I agree with that. I like that. Yeah, it's all good, Roger, man. Very good. Yeah. Next one is. Did I read that one? You read the. You read that one. This one's mine. Christian Serrano <clears throat> comments on the latency in RPGs episode. <sighs> Employ it unless the player is hemming and hawing about what to do. Talking about. Um, trying to get some kicking some people in the butt. I give them 30 seconds to decide something. That's a lot, but I'm fine with the length. Uh, There are shorter ones. If they can't decide, then the character is simply on hold. Benefit to being on hold is that they can jump in whenever they're ready or be at the top of the next initiative round. This way, it's not penalizing the player so much as it's emulating the character's experience in the situation, i.e. trying to figure out what to do in the heat of combat. I like that idea of kind of putting people on hold and D20. I believe it's three Oh, started this. You can reset your initiative. There's a mechanic in that game for it. So it might be worth looking at that mechanic and seeing how you might translate that over to, say, Savage Worlds or something. But that concept of like, look, I don't know what to do. I want to wait and see. I want to hold an action. I want to reset my initiative. I want to wait and see what Sean does before I go because Sean's acting right after, you know, Chris. And if Chris does this thing, that might make me, I just, uh, I just don't know what to do. And pushing that person to the back of the list might be a very good idea. Yeah. You don't look very positive there. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Okay. I'd rather do that than just have him sitting there, him and hawing, you know, delaying crap. 
Yeah. <laughs> just sitting there and, the, and then the energy, you could just feel whoosh, the energy is just sucked out of the room. It was like, Oh dude, really? Come on, Brad, do something. You wow. know? Yeah. Well, and then with some of friends of mine, I just throw stuff at them. Yeah, I could see that. Till it hurts. <laughs> I just get bigger and bigger bricks. <laughs> right. Exactly. <clears throat> but I, I guess the other, the other component is that if you know as a player, then that's an option you have. You can engage that option. As soon as you start, you start to feel that claustrophobic. Like, ah, uh, I don't know what to do. Let Phil go. Phil, Phil, you and Chris go first. I'll go. I'll go after that, or do something. That's one of those pieces. If you don't necessarily have a mechanic for it, there's no reason a ruling can't be made to do this type of thing to give people an opportunity to do something. And then if they come back, I have had I've had players of mine say, "I don't know what to freaking do. Skip me. I got nothing. I stand there befuddled. I don't know what to do." It's happened, and I think that's a legitimate thing to say as well. Yeah. Next one's yours, sir. Michael Phillips comments on G+, an alternate use of a timer in a game with a fair number of mechanical slash tactical options like 3X. Uh, instead of skipping, which could be considered a punishment, people for yes. taking extra time to decide from a rich field of options give a plus one or plus two bonus on any die rolls if they make a choice before the timer runs out. A boon. Hey, that's not a bad idea. That's kind of taking... Serrano's thing with the timer and say, oh, you made it in time. Boom. You get a little bonus there. Eh, Positive nice. reinforcement for quicker plays supplanted, supplemented by giving bonuses that help counter the penalty of having made a suboptimal choice and mathing out the best option in a grid based game is one of the big slowdowns. So, yeah, hmm. I could see that. I could I could probably see that in like a D20 game. I mean, like a 5E, you could do an inspiration thing too. You could go, hey, you get a uh, D4 inspiration on your next whatever, or you could do something like that. Sure. There's pieces, or you could give someone advantage of something as simple as that. Hey, that was cool. That was quick. Next. You know, I think that whole thing that Michael brought up is so simple and straightforward. And we didn't think about it, Brett, because we are always on the negative side. Right. <laughs> That's very true. Throwing bricks at players, <laughs> stabbing them, doing stuff like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but the positive, the positive thing is that the person who, is Johnny on the spot? Bam, bam. She knows what she wants to do. Her character goes out there and shoots the guy in the face and moves on, shoots the next guy in the face. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. You know, she's freaking commando, commando girl out there just taking down the bad guys because look, she's commando girl character. Right. When they have played that character or that person's the cleric and he's just, you know, healing like crazy and he's do, totally doing all the support stuff. He's tactically looking at everything. It's good to give that person a bonus of some kind. Sure. Whether it's a plus one or plus two in a die roll, uh, you could even do, hey, guess what? That healing spell gets ma- maximum effect on the heal. You could do something that wacky or crazy if you wanted to. I mean, that's not even wacky or crazy, but you can do the positive reinforcements. That, hey, you're thinking smart. You're planning ahead. And when it got to you, boom, you knew exactly what to do. Look, girl, you get this. Hey, boy, you get one of those. You can really, you can pass that around like that. I like that idea. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Michael, for opening our eyes to the more uh, optimistic and positive side of things. Yeah. Some, I, I'll bet you this. I'll bet you that if you don't hit your players as hard, they might play better. <gasps> I don't know, man. I don't know about that. That seems like a stretch. I don't know about that. Let's, let's hit so the main the, the effect of negative reinforcement on ESP. Yeah. <laughs> Ghostbusters quote there. All right. P. Yes. Player versus player. Oh, Sean and I were talking about this and I kind of hinted at what didn't hint. I pretty much said it earlier in the show here. Is this like the ultimate opposed role situation? Maybe. And I, 
and I wanted to talk about it a little bit because from talking, I was talking with Joe Swick about some vampire stuff. I'm offloading some old uh, White Wolf books that I have, and I'm going to send him some. And uh, we're talking about different what we've played, this, that, and the other thing. And then, you know, even listening to the misdirected Mark, their 200 episode, their nostalgia, they went heavy with the nostalgia stick, which is cool. 200 episodes got to be a little retrospective. Which I, is d- awesome. I thought they did a very good job. On they did a their, damn good job on it. I, I honestly, I don't know if I could have produced um, something. So, I mean, it was well done, well produced. They had Mark on there. They took a stroll down memory lane and in, in some of the things that they did, like the intro changes and, they hit the high points and the low points yeah, and they I, touched all the right things for the right amount of time. I got I gotta imagine I give Chris full credit for all that. I'm sure he's the the brainiac behind that whole that that production. And I thought, top notch, man. Very good stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. But anyway, looking back at it kind of with my nostalgia glasses on, <coughs> excuse me, I, I started thinking, you know, one of the things that my guys used to really like about my old vampire games and stuff was we had a pretty and when we played Amber, we have a pretty heavy player versus player player thing there and pvp for those who don't aren't aware of that it's player versus player it's you know my guy is attacking sean's guy or susan's character is going after tabby's character who's in turn going after seth who's going after phil or whatever it is where you've got the big clash the actual either physical combat or it kind of goes in the opposed role things like no i'm not gonna let you stab that guy i won't let you torture the orc i won't let you rob from this uh prefect i won't let that happen i stop you um when you get into that, my, my head started going around, yo, do I like it? Do I not like it? What's good? What's bad about it? And um, so I thought I'd bounce some of the shit off of Sean and see, <laughs> see if any of this makes any sense. So, Sean, when you do, when you're running a game, do you worry about player versus player interaction? Do you think it matters in like, hey, this is the thing Sean says, no, you never do it, or Sean doesn't care, or the setting? I'm asking you a ton of questions. You're all, all mashed together. Or to perhaps the setting matter more than anything else? Uh, so that's a good point. I do think setting matters or the type okay. of game you're playing. <clears throat> but I think uh, my initial reaction is uh, PvP is not going to turn out very well. I think it's just... So it's not... I don't want to say it's discouraged. I don't bring it up as, look, here's the deal. But... You know, I've gamed with a buddy of mine. I don't, again, I still wonder if he listens to this podcast. I love him to death. But the thing is, he's a real, he can be a real antagonist at time, at times. Um, I mentioned some of the scenarios that have come up before when he's been a game master. But as a player, he can kind of like, you know, play the very selfish wizard, right? Only yeah. out for themselves, not a team player along with the party because they're kind of having to be there, you know, kind of maybe wrestling from Dragonlance, kind of, you know, I'm out for the magic and I don't care. Everybody else be damned. Now, in all fairness, he's a team player because he will contribute to combat. He will do things that make sure that people live. Having said that, the reason I bring that up is because you can get into instances where it's, it just doesn't become very positive. It's not fun, perhaps, to watch it, to to watch the game devolve in front of your eyes. Well, you know, as a GM, you have a lot of different things going on, and now you almost have to get into babysitter mode if it gets really out of control. I think where you're going is, so it's called player versus player, and it kind of, the that phraseology is coming from, 
your video games, right? <clears throat> where you're playing WoW or whatever it is, and you've got a PvP environment where I can kill, I can, my, I, my, me as a player, I can go after Sean's guy. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, the crux of the matter for me is that if it was really character versus character, I'm going to give an example of this, and not player versus player. Well, I think it that, that we have to so bad. We have to define that. Is that what we're talking about? Is player versus player or character versus character? Well, what I'm saying is, I think the problem that people have with player versus player is that it's very difficult in certain situations because they get really tense really fast to separate player versus character in those scenarios. So, any what I think is a cool instance, my buddy Lenny and one of the other guys I used to uh, game with in my vampire uh, vampire days, <clears throat> excuse me, Boyd. They had two characters that. One was an anarchist type of crazy nutball. The other guy was a pure artist. And it was just clash, 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 clash constantly. They were always trying to find ways to undermine the other person. They worked together for the good of the city of Chicago every once in a while when they had no choice. But in the back end, somebody was breaking into his bank, stealing money. They were hiring hackers to wreck his website. They were trying to get the CDC to shut down the restaurant. They're trying to close down the mortuary that this guy owned. They're constantly just going after each other. <clears throat> and the players fucking loved it. They got into it and they said, boy, Mushiro's going after you, man. There's no way, you know, Mushiro's going after you, dude. And Lenny's like, fuck that, whatever, dude, bring it on. There's no fucking way you're going to take my dude down. And it was all this watching the characters go after each other. And it was a lot of fun. The other players got into it. The characters were all involved in it. They knew that sometimes if they did a favor for this person, then this other guy, Vin was the other character. If they did a favor for Vin, but they <laughs> if they weren't careful, Mushiro found out it could get bloody. Um, nobody got to a player level. Lenny and Boyd, we would get together after the game and go out for a drink or go out to have a late dinner or something, and they would just rave about how much fun they had. They really liked it. Boy, man, you really got me good. Really good sportsmanship back and forth. <clears throat> now, on the flip side, we've all had that. Um, piece, and I'll use a D&D example, when somebody decides that their character is an evil, backstabbing son of a bitch and decides to steal from the party, decides to backstab the party, decides to do something crazy, and when, <laughs> when the environment isn't set up so that that character versus character environment is there, then it becomes really bad blood be between the actual players and then it gets ugly. That's when things break down. It's not when, if you can have players who can separate between character versus character uh, from their player, you know, components, I don't think it's that bad. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And I think, I think that's quite unique. Um, that's good that you can facilitate the former with uh, Boyd and Lenny. Now, my question to you with that scenario is one, did you see it coming as a game master? And two, how do you, because I think part of that is like, great, if everybody's on the same page and everybody's, you know, nobody's getting hurt, nobody's hurt by anything, and other players enjoy it, and those two aren't mon um, monopolizing the spotlight, great, right? Everything's great, mm -hmm. kumbaya. Yep. But also, what happens when the other players aren't, this may be a spotlight thing, right? Where the other players are maybe alienated to some degree. And if they don't care, great. But what if one is? But also, with, what does it do for a game master? So you could sit back and go, okay, well, I guess I'll just be on the sidelines. I'm going to go get some Cheetos and Mountain Dew. 
and let them run for two hours on their whole shtick, right? Because <laughs> you can be good. like, hey, you guys got this? Uh, give me a call when you need something, right? So if you're running a, a LARP, that's essentially kind of how LARPs work. I've only uh, participated in a couple of them, but a lot of times there's never, kind of shit's just going. Never been in a LARP. Now, in my particular instance, there were Lenny and Boyd got into it. They loved it. They dug it. I saw it coming and I encouraged it and I actually forced it to happen a few times. I set each other up so they would end up hating each other over something only to find out that it was an NPC who fucked them. Like, God damn, we will band together to go after this son of a bitch and we'll take him down. They'll go back to hating each other. Um, so that was fun, but it was always a side piece. It was never the plot. It was never the whole adventure, if you will, because if I let it get too much, then the actual stuff that's going on from a spotlight perspective fades. It just goes away. And then any other player who isn't into that has nothing to do. So across the table sat my friend, uh, John Franks. John did not like that shit at all. John would get personally pissed off. No, I know. You, so he'd get pissed off at this situation or just. No, you would get If someone did that to John, oh, okay. John would take it personally. Yeah. Talking so, about JR? No, no, no. Not JR. Oh, JR different totally job. different job. Gotcha. Okay. Um, he would take it personally. And I had a couple other players that I've had over the years that would take it personally. They would immediately go to, they go from character to player immediately. Say, you, Sean, went after me, Brett. Fuck you. Fuck you. No. And it would escalate crazy. Which, <clears throat> which is kind of happens, right? Yeah. So it's kind of, it's again, social contract. If, I mean, go back to any number of our other previous 80 plus episodes and you'll, you'll hear us mention it. But what would happen then is I, I know my group. And I know who doesn't like this stuff. I've watched them behave. And when I start to see somebody attempt to basically put the feeler out there, say, hey, does this John want to play with me? Rawr! The, <laughs> the dog bites. Okay, I pull it off. I separate it. And I create, you know, I create space again. No, that's not going to happen. I pull the character aside. Look, he doesn't like to play that way. It's not going to work. Go do something else. Um, there were other characters, other players who did like it. And they would also engage in that but a number of them didn't like it so we basically within the group i was very very fortunate that within the group they kind of went oh i like this kind of side plot i like this kind of side plot too hey let's buddy up so people would kind of connect throughout the group you know when you've got like i had 12 people playing at one point it's easy to find a partner if you don't do that though if you only have one person who really enjoys it and no one else at the table does then i discourage it did that make did i answer your question yeah but it sounds a little it sounds it sounds very um it's very fortunate that it worked that way, right? Right. It doesn't it's not I'm you're not I'm not going to run into that constantly. I'm not gonna go to a con or hook up with a bunch of brand new gamers. You know, if I'm gonna play with you, Doc and Jimmy, I, I have to figure that all out from scratch. Yeah, it's kinda like being being invited to a party and, and coming in and acting like an ass yeah. before you get to know anybody. Like they don't know your humor, right? They you know, not understanding social cues. Yep. But but at the same time, what you mentioned sounds like there's quite a few conditions, right? I mean, you got to well, have absolutely. a lot of stars aligned to make this all kind of. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it has to be the right people at the right time and the right dynamics. So that said, then, is then when you've got somebody who decides that. So shit will boil over. It's kind of like the. Um, how do I do this? So in that case, when when Roger's talking about someone's trying to stop his fun. Now I'm going to pick on Roger a little bit. So if, if I'm key, every time Roger tries to do something, I stop him. My thief does this. I do that. I just become this little vindictive prick 
right. who's constantly then I as game master or you as game master in this case, we have to look at Brett and go, dude, let him do his thing. Let him do his thing. Right. And so that's where as game master. And then again, we've talked about this before with it. It could be equally a player's job is the player. See Brett being a dick to Roger. Somebody needs to look at Brett and say, stop fucking doing that. Yeah. You know, that's a good point, Brett. It's not always the game master that has the kind of rule at the table. Yes. They adjudicate the rules and they kind of present the, everything that needs to be presented in a GM based RPG. Mm -hmm. But there's also players that can stand up and go, look, man, you're being a dickhead. Stop it. And sometimes as a game master, you may not see it, right? If you've got six, eight guys at the table or four or five guys, you know, even four people, you you might be working with two of them and the other two are bitching about something or somebody's mad because he's touching the other guy's dice or something fucking stupid. And people just get pissy. They've had a bad day at work. They're in a bad mood. Don't touch my miniature. (laughs) Don't touch my mini. Hey, hey, but hey, but I want to, I want to, and maybe you're going to go into this, but the thing is with this player versus player or character versus character piece is what it can tend to do is then it becomes, you know, when we, in a normal game without the PVP piece, it's usually the team, right? It's about the team, team, team. Right. They're yeah. going to out to do something. GM presents the problem. They're going to go solve it or they're going to adventure in the GM. And everything's kind of, everybody's in the same page, going relatively in the same direction. Yes. When you get into player versus player, though, it could end up being player Y and player A, their game. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It becomes about those conflicts and not about anything else. If you don't, <laughs> one of the things I learned from my looking back at, again, from, Sparking the old nostalgia candles in my head from listening to misdirected Mark guys. Like, you know, the, the time shit really blew up, like during my high school games and stuff, was when everyone was bored, but there was no greater evil. There was no greater situation, right? We were just going through another dungeon. Yeah, we're four levels down somewhere in the Underdark, but we thought now would be a really good time to have a throwdown between the paladin and the thief. Really? <laughs> Nothing. So between game and players we were not engaged right, right. <clears throat> excuse me we didn't feel that there was we were playing i think drow drow the underdark i mean that whole queen the demon web pit shit there should be stuff to keep us more than occupied we shouldn't really be concerned about whether the thief is chaotic neutral or, or or whatever but if the environment if it's supposed to be a team effort so let's take knights black agents for instance you're a bunch of guys ex-spies jason Bourne versus dracula and with the Dracula dust, you could actually be against Dracula. But, but if you're out there as a crew of men and women, and this crew of men and women are supposed to be working against vampires when turn hunting them and all this crazy insanity, one of them having a mild tick or a quirk that go, God damn it, Cheryl, I hate it when you do that. Knock that shit off. Quit whistling. You're always whistling when we're trying to do something important. That is cool banter. Right. That's not, I stab Cheryl in the eye because I don't like her whistling. Whoa, what the hell? You know, that you either have some deep-seated issue with whoever's playing Cheryl as the character, or the plot itself is not involved enough, if you will. So I guess where I'm going here is that when I start to see that happen in my groups, I'm like, I need to amp up the danger. I need to do something because they don't feel like there's anything anything interesting other than going after each other. They think that going after each other is more interesting than what I brought to the table tonight. Right. That's the thing. Like when you're as a GM, you're, you're not as important. The stuff you're presenting isn't as important. 
Yeah, that could be a problem. And again, if you started out saying, look, we're going to play Amber, Dice's role-playing game. It's about playing Elder Amberites from Razor's last niece books, blah, 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 or sons and daughters thereof. <clears throat> There's a strong PvP concept here. A lot of character versus character stuff, really. Yeah, it's basically we're going to play a race for the throne. This is what the game's about. And someone raised their hand and said, I don't want anything to do with that. Then that might not be the game for them. Or they may say, oh, I kind of don't like that. I really don't like this whole, you know, going after Sean, you know, I just want to be friends. Can't we just play a game where we're all teammates? Well, maybe a really cool Amber ID needs to wait for another time, right? <clears throat> but I think that it is important to tell people up front, especially if you're playing with brand new people, whether or not that type of thing is allowed. And you might not think about it, perhaps up front doesn't always happen. You always say, here are the list of my demands for this my gaming table. But it's not, when it first starts to happen, there's nothing wrong with taking a quick out-of-character, out-of-game break, saying, okay, guys, look, we're getting into this territory. You know, Cheryl and Charlie are both going at it here. Let's, let's stop. Is this character stuff? You know, in that's okay. But remember, we're in a we're deep in the Underdark, Queen of Demon Web Pits. Holy shit. Is this really the time for the Paladin and the Thief to go at it? So. I guess the thing is, when you see it, if you don't want it, you have to recognize it and interject either as a player or as a GM or set the stage up front that this is okay and get everybody else to buy in. Yeah, I think it's one of those where it's like, oh, time to camp. Great. Who's got watch? Great. Len, role play all that crap out if you want to like take up an entire hour of stuff going back and forth. I don't know. The um, th- There's a there's an interesting piece I ran into something similar to this when people do well the exact example really doesn't matter what matters here is the the mantra of i'm just playing my character oh god so when you hear that that's what my character would do i'm just playing my character so this is one of the reasons why i started introducing restrictions on character builds for the adventure that i'm going to run oh the thing we're doing look in this adventure there'll be no evil characters oh really yes you can be lawful neutral chaotic but you uh, you have to be some very no evil. Oh, okay. Because I don't want that. Right. Or if it's a non-alignment game, look, everyone knows each other in some way. Everyone has this connection. Everyone has this, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I put some kind of, of a restriction on it so that when people are making their characters, they have less chance to make that character. And if I do see that character being made, when I review the characters, when I talk to the people, I go, this isn't going to work. <laughs> I never used to say that when I used to run vampire and stuff. I used to let people do whatever the fuck they wanted to do back in the day. I no longer do that at all. No. I'll look at what everybody else has on the table. And here comes Brett with a shiny new character. And you're like, really? <laughs> you're like chaotic, evil, barbarian, you know, slaughter master guy. Really? No. Well, but what? No, I told you everybody are either elves, half elves or halflings. Um, from this part of the from this part of the continent, blah blah blah. No, this isn't going to work. You can't do that. So sometimes I think <laughs> by looking at the character concepts and stuff, if you take a look at it, and you actually pay attention, you can nip some of that in the bud. I agree. I think it's one of those where you define what dickhead character is, and then take every characteristic that makes it dickhead and put this put the kibosh down. Evil character, dick <laughs> dickhead rule one. Evil character, no, not no, happening. Not happening. You know. I did so the so I'll give the example. So one of the pieces I got into an argument with some guys that uh, used to game with Lenny, and I, I uh, came in a couple times and came in Minnesota. This isn't Kevin, but Kevin Lovecraft will know who who I'm talking about here. 
were talking about how <clears throat> how treasure got divided amongst the party. And one guy's like, no, my character, blah, blah, blah. I'm, oh, he's a greedy bastard. He's going to take the thing that's worth the most gold. I said, well, my guy is going to kill you then. <laughs> Why would you do that? I said, look, you're playing. We are five level. We're like deep in the temple of elemental evil. Um, the fighter needs that. <clears throat> the mage needs that. You can't use it. It's a really powerful weapon. We could use this to save our ass more than once, but you want it because it's worth gold if and when we ever make it out of here and you, ins- and you insist on keeping it for some fucked up reason, I will kill you. My character will kill you because there's no way I'm going to adventure with you if you're this kind of dickhead. Up to the point of you saying my character, it's an in-character discussion. <clears throat> yeah. Really? <laughs> can, yeah. If you remove that, like, just piece of that, what you just said, it could potentially just be an in-character discussion and it could be resolved that way so my well the other piece is when i've when i've gotten the when i have had blowback in a way from character from players excuse me but i really like this kind of character i like to play like that my response is remember you will invite pvp type of situations by acting like this because if you act in character everyone else will act in character are you ready to be killed by another player character at this table because of how you're playing this character circle one yes no (laughs) <laughs> pretty much and sometimes you go yeah i guess you're right all right let me change that they're like no that's totally fine if he dies he dies i'm cool with that all right and when people start introducing characters they look at the paladin player looks across the table at me like Are you fucking kidding me i'm like look this is how it is and this is how it's gonna go well all right so and so ended up dead in the first couple of sessions hey guess what you know that you you agreed. <laughs> I also I also think you gotta be a little you gotta have a little latitude as players and GM as a group. So going back to Dragonlance, if you haven't read the Dragonlance series, okay, that's fine. Anyways, <clears throat> there's a character Tasselhoff Burfoot who is a Kender, which is an equivalent to a halfling. Who and their their sole thing, their sole purpose in life is to acquire things. They talk steal, fast, be annoying, and steal shit. And yes, talk fast, be annoying, steal shit. Flintfire Forge is a dwarf. Those two obviously did not get along in the books. He doesn't like the the. He didn't like anything about the halfling necessarily, but they were longtime quote unquote friends because they just came all together. So at the same point point that you might have an annoying character or player playing a character that kind of tends to ruffle the feathers of you or another player as long as it doesn't i guess reach a threshold or break that threshold you it can create an interesting dynamic well yeah you get great role-playing opportunities right yeah flint never killed no, Tess, Flint right? never said, that's it, battle axe through the little Kenner. I think he that's wanted to. Yeah, I think he wanted to a couple <laughs> yeah. occasions. But, you know, cooler heads prevailed. Other players got involved. Other characters got involved, said, hey, look, calm down. You know, they took him aside, took Tass aside, said, look, stop it. You're going to piss off Flint. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then you go on about it until the next time it comes up. Whatever. Yep. And right. the, those that type of interaction, <clears throat> excuse me, similar to my, my, um, my Vin and uh, Mushiro discussion, is when those two vampires are going at it's a side it's a side thing. It's a bit of flavor. It was a thing they had. They're both trying to, you know, be the richest vampire in Chicago or whatever the fuck their goal was. I don't remember anymore. But I never got on top of everybody else. And it rarely would eclipse anything else. Every once in a while it would become a centerpiece for something because like, hey, <clears throat> these two jackasses doing this crazy thing brought this holy hell to Chicago. And now we all have to deal with it. Thank you, Mushiro and Vin. Um so that would that could be kind of fun. 
But if you can keep it where it's character against character, having good banter is one thing. But when it actually gets into player versus player, then it can, like I said, I think the distinction to me is important because if it's player versus player, then you have a, you have a personality problem at your table. Then Sean doesn't like Brett. Brett doesn't like Sean. <laughs> you either need to call the game for the night, separate the two of them, and figure out what the fuck their problem is. Or I don't know. You know? Or I don't know. Yeah, or I don't know. Like I've, I've interacted with guys in the military. You know, I've got, I've been a new guy to a section. I don't know the humor. And so somebody will put me on the spot and I'll be like, dude, if you're going to be a jackass about it, sorry, here, here, take it. Uh, I'm just bullshitting with you. And you're like, oh, you should have really? saw your face. Yeah. And it's like at that time though, you're like, this guy's being a dickhead. Yeah. You know, I don't know. He's pulling my leg. That's another thing too, to kind of consider is, is just the dynamic there. So the other piece of that is if it's a new group. So if I was going to run for you, Jimmy and Doc, the three of you have played together many times. I've never played with Jimmy or Doc. As a game master, I'm going to tread lightly on certain things, kind of work my way into it, feel the room, see what's funny, see what's not, and see how people get along and how things go. Um, the other piece to me <clears throat> about character versus character um, type of thing, when people actually want to throw down and kill each other, that's a pretty... To me, if it get, gets down to you, fuck you, I'm going to kill you. And the paladin and the thief, to use that classic, they want to throw down. Then I'm like, okay, it's a combat. Let's roll for initiative, and I let the dice fall where they may between the play, between the characters, and they do their thing. Um, if other characters want to get involved, whatever, give a free-for-all, the whole party can devolve. Great, good, good on you if that's what you want to do. Um, <clears throat> when Sometimes when it's against NPCs or something, if I'm into fudging dice, I might fudge dice there. Or if I'm into the bad guy shakes his fist and runs away because I don't want him to die right now. Those type of narrative components. But if Brett's character and Sean's character really want to kill each other, and Phil and Chris are like, all right, we sit back and let the two go at it. It's been brewing for a while. Let's hope one of them doesn't kill the other, maybe. Or maybe they're taking side bets, hoping for one of us to die. Then, in my opinion, you need to let, kind of let the system work itself and the dice fall where they may. Somebody dies, they die. The other pieces that I think so I don't want to do this so I think before you build up to Brett and Sean's character trying to actually kill each other the signs to me that you have that brewing are those things where Roger wants to throw a dagger at the priest Sean says I stop that but what 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 do you mean you stop that I don't want him to do that Okay, all right, all right, all right. Next time Roger says, I want to grab that pebble off the table. I stop that, says Sean. Oh, for God's sakes. Once <clears throat> you get that kind of needling and poking and prodding type of thing, then you've got, again, a player issue. You've got something going on. And if the excuse is I'm just playing my character, then you're hiding something. There's something deeper than that somewhere buried in there. Yeah. Now, if you don't have it, though, if you don't have player versus player, Sean, or excuse me, character versus character, if you don't allow, because to me, again, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from the P player component of it because that means problem players or problem with players. If you don't allow character versus character combat, does that detract anything from the game? Do you think? It could. I mean, it could be that you could have an opportunity for some good story, some good drama, some good um, chemistry, but, you know, it's a judgment call. I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessary. So, but if you have it and rule it out, you may, you may miss out on something that could become very interesting and, and intriguing. Because again, the, the action isn't always, we tend to think 
PVP character versus character, which I think it's a fight to the death. And it doesn't always have to be. No. It can be that opposed role. Right. It can be the thing, no, I want to stop him from doing that. Cause I, <clears throat> and this is a good opportunity to, when you, when I say, Roger, I stop you from grabbing, from throwing that dagger. Why? He's got information. I don't fucking care, says Roger. I'm going to, my character's going to throw the dagger. And Sean says, Brett, no, I, you know, my halfling needs to stop him from doing that because I think that priest is going to monologue. He's got some better data. I want to try to stop him for that reason. That type of discussion before the dice are rolled and before we figure out understanding the narrative reasoning, why people want to do something adds to the, oh, Sean's not being a prick about this. Roger's not just not bored out of his mind. He really has. He's playing to his deep seated hatred for the priest of this religion. So therefore, he's going to chuck that dagger. And Sean's halfling says, no, I think he's got more information. I think it's imperative that we listen. Okay. And then Sean and Roger, as players, could look at each other and go, oh, that, that makes sense. I could see your guy doing that to my guy. Okay, how, how do we work this out? And then getting it the dice rolls. Yeah. You know, I don't think, again, character versus character doesn't always have to mean a fight to the death. It can simply be those opposed roles or that opportunity to say, I stop Roger. I stop Brett. I stop Chris or Phil from doing this thing. <coughs> Excuse me. And understanding that. At the table, the first time it happens, say, okay, guys, hang on a second. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And Phil, why are you helping Sean stop Chris? Why are you doing that? Oh, you're doing that because you both agree that Chris's character should never do that. So that's why you want to, okay, we got it. Good. Roll some dice. And I think if you lay that narrative groundwork first, helps to figure out and diffuse any player issues you may have. It helps to make the, uh, your opposed roles a little more productive as opposed to whoever rolls the dice first and then pissing each other off. I concur. Should we wrap this up? Yeah. If, if we didn't cover something appropriately, if you guys got more to say about this or different angles, please let us know, hit us up in Google plus Facebook, the usual spots and uh, let us know what you think guys. All right. Let's get into die roll. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming or geekery you want to share with you. Brett has three. I've got three. Brett. Yes, I have. Oh, I actually only have two. I accidentally put one up there twice. Well, <laughs> oh, snap. Bad, bad, bad. So anyway, first one is um, Kevin Lovecraft posted this up and I started looking around. Free RPG Day is coming in June. So I don't know if anybody out there in listener land either is connected to a game store or owns one or anything along those lines, but free RPG day is coming FreeRPGday.com. Might want to check that out and see what you got to do. And if nothing else, that way, Sean, Sean and Brett can actually go to a local gaming store and get something cool. That'd be nice. Kevin brought that to my attention because he thought I should know about it. Poke, 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 poke. So <laughs> Speaking you, of player versus player, it's kind so of needling him there. If you don't know the reference, check out, uh, about a year ago, the episode in my... A year ago, June? <laughs> probably, right around this time frame. Probably episode 40-ish, um, where I commented on my little experience with RPG Day. And as always, if you don't know where that one is in our catalog, start at one and just listen forward. That's right. The other one I had was, there is a HP Lovecraft animation that's going on, and it's being voiced by Ron Perlman and Christopher Plummer. Got a link in the show notes here, and that, oh, holy cow! Love Ron Perlman. I like Chris, Christopher Plummer as an actor. I like both of them as actors. Great voice actors. Uh, I think that would be really, really cool. So I just want to call that out so folks could take a look at it. Your turn, sir. All right. Excellent. So first one, rush, uh, Running Session Zero um, is a link that I found out there. 
it's just another take on running a session zero, which typically is the precursor to kicking off a campaign in role-playing games. Kind of character um, gen? A uh, little, yeah. <clears throat> Talks a little bit about that. Um, I thought it was an interesting post. It was by Sean. It's over on tribal, tribe, tribality, tribality. Anyways, link in the show notes. Check it out. Uh, I definitely thought it was cool. Table rules. He talks a little bit about a character building and creating bonds. How will their PC fit in the world? So I thought it was it's a, what we just it's it's some some of that social contracty stuff. And honestly, I the more I have done character gen as a group, especially when I'm doing a new game system and a new world kickoff, it's pretty damn handy. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, deleted images from the Curse of Strahd. So Curse of Strahd is Wizards of the Coast, big hardback that they released uh, based on Ravenloft. And uh, one of the websites out there, uh, IGN, actually got a hold of some of the images that are that is not being used in the Curse of Strahd hardback. So nice. you could go out there and see those and maybe use them in your campaign. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if that's legal, but nonetheless. Well, I mean, there's nothing... Illegal per se. I mean, as long as you're charging people for it, I go, hey, look, here's right. a picture. Yeah, there's yeah. yeah, a picture. So some of the NPC pictures are out there because I don't think they give you context on who or what. It says who it is, but if you don't want to know, don't go there. <laughs> there you go. Do you have any questions or hesitations in your player and your GM is running it? And just don't do that. Then don't then don't check it out. Oh, excuse me. Uh, number three, Isaac Newton's recipe for magical philosopher's stone is rediscovered. Working on it right now. I got my kids in a basement brewing up some incredibly toxic chemicals. We'll be fine. Awesome. Check it out. <laughs> Check it out. We did get one from one of our listeners. Shane Freeman uh, pointed us to the Witchcraft Museum of Iceland. Uh, link in the show notes there. That looks pretty freaking cool. Those types of things, the images and the history around it. That's always some good stuff. So thank you, Shane. That's a good one to point out. Yeah, thanks, Shane. All right. I think this wraps it up. I think it does. Yeah, the show brought to you by patrons like Joe Swick, Kevin Lovecraft, Steve Day, Old School DM, Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Gary, Misdirected Mark, Brett's Biggest Fan, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Tony Baker, Palladian, Corey Wynn, Bruce Cunnington, who we missed on the last show. Apologies to you, Bruce. And new patron, Eric Jepison. Consider becoming a patron of the show at gamingabs.com forward slash Patreon. Thank you so much, Eric, for becoming a new patron. We appreciate it. And next week, we're going to talk about dedication to a system. Get into that a little bit more next time. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all. 